What? Okay. That's how it goes. Welcome back to Season 3 of Amongst the Table Podcast. I'm Jonathan Crabtree, one of your hosts, and we believe in sharing Amongst the Table for change amongst the world. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss our next episode. Enjoy today's content. I'm headed on to Bristol from London, St. James. Got a ticket for a train ride, gonna ride it all the way. I think I hear those seagulls calling on my name. That western skies are singing, nothing like the same. Though I'm not from around here, it always feels like home. Bristol might be short-lived, but she sure is home. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Amongst the Table podcast. I'm one of your hosts, most likely your only host, Jonathan Crabtree, and I want to say thanks for your patience. Uh, even though I enjoy this podcast very much, um, there haven't been many episodes. I know. You don't have to remind me. <laughs> um, but I very much enjoy it. Uh, I love just talking to myself and wondering if anyone's listening. If that's you, let's get together, get a t-shirt made, maybe jackets, I don't know. Okay, enough of that dry sense of humor. Listen, here's the deal. The problem that I have in the last few months is that I've been trying to just land on something that's creative for me to produce for you, and that's something that's enjoyable for you to listen to. So I've taken a lot of time over these last few months uh, to be thinking about what to create for you guys, and I've been kind of jotting down some ideas on napkins and other pieces of scratch paper, and I will do my best to produce a weekly podcast on subjects that are most enjoyable for me, primarily things that are either in the current news or just uh, pop culture or maybe even some of my PhD research. I mean, I could talk all day about that because I love it so much, but I also don't want to bore, you know, all three of my listeners. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I'm really cutting a rug here with all my dry sense of humor. So look, thank you for your patience and thanks for listening uh, to this podcast. I really do hope it's helpful. I hope it's enjoyable. And the purpose of it really is just to kind of to get you thinking as well and what we say here in our family and uh, what our kind of, um, you know, plans of, of action to share amongst the table for change amongst the world. We do that by teaching the church um, and others, uh, you know, maybe some of you are non-believers and you're just curious to teach, to, I'm sorry, to think theologically, to engage scripture with confidence and to live a sacramentally missional life. That's what we want to do. And so our content then is aimed to help you do that. We don't, you know, proclaim that we're providing an end-all, be-all conversation where we have kind of produced a, a journal article that's well-resourced and say this is the final answer. No, most of it's just reflection and just thoughts, and it's always up for discussion. And that's where you come in. That's where when you listen to this podcast, you kind of maybe get a thought for yourself, a question, maybe even a disagreement, and you share it with somebody. And 
primarily, and hopefully you share it amongst the table at dinner, breakfast, lunch, whatever meal, or just coffee or a pint, whatever it is that you do. And you just share. And then you talk about it. And it's just a conversation starter. And that's all it needs to be. And it doesn't never really have an end, but it does have a beginning. So that's what we want to do. That's what we want to help you do. And we hope that this will help you do that. So, right. Again, thanks for listening, and um, I hope it's helpful. You can always email me or contact me on social media, and I would love to respond and dialogue with you if I have time, uh, if I'm able to. Um, So for today's show, here's what I want to talk about. Are you ready? Today, I want to talk a little bit about Halloween. (laughs) So here are the areas that I want to talk about in Halloween. First of all, I want to talk about the warnings that have been circulating through social media about the latest Hocus Pocus movie. (laughs) Second, I want to talk about experiencing Halloween in England. This is our second Halloween in in England. And third, I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about possibly the origins of Halloween and where they came from and how the church can actually reclaim this calendar event for the good of God's kingdom. So if any of that is interesting to you, then keep listening. And as always, my goal is to provide you content that will help you share amongst the table for change amongst the world. All right, first up on today's podcast, let's talk about Hocus Pocus 2. After all, it's just a bunch of Hocus Pocus, isn't it? <laughs> it's the latest movie on Disney+. And it came out on September 30th of this year. And I'm sure there were a ton of millennials dying to watch the movie, myself and my wife included. Now, anytime there is a sequel or a prequel or a trilogy installment to any movie series, I am always hesitant and reserved. As much as I want stories to continue, sometimes stories are best when they simply end. And for instance, I think it was this past summer or spring or winter Okay, let's just say last year when another installment of Toy Story came out. Actually, it was a prequel, and it wasn't Toy Story 5. It was explaining the origins of Buzz Lightyear. Now, Toy Story is one of my all-time favorite movies, and last time we went to Disney World, I absolutely loved Toy Story Land. It was so much fun. just brought back so many memories and nostalgia. I loved it. And so I had high expectations for this new Buzz Lightyear movie. But almost immediately into the film, I knew right away that I was not going to enjoy it. It really didn't have a good plot line. And the conflict was mostly internal, which is usually good, but I also think it was a stab at political gestures and postures in the United States. Now, that's just my take on it, and I have no idea if that was their intent. And so it was just kind of tasteless, in my opinion. And I didn't enjoy the film at all. And honestly, I could care less to ever see it again. It was just that bad. So when I found out that there was going to be another installment of Hocus Pocus, I immediately had doubts. Maybe you did too. If you remember, um, I believe the original Hocus Pocus film did not actually do well in theaters. And I don't think it was until um, well after the movie came out on VHS tape Man, that sounds so ancient just saying that. That it began to make a regular routine of traditional showing in our homes. And that's when it began to really take off, I think. 
So it's been 30 years since the original Hocus Pocus movie came out. The Sanderson sisters were already 300, I think, years old. And honestly, um, I thought they were completely obliterated, uh, you know, judging by the pixie dust that showed at the end of Hocus Pocus 1. So they really had to make a stretch in order to make a sequel to Hocus Pocus. And again, I had my doubts how they were going to do that. But I'm not Hollywood. I'm not Disney. I'm just your average guy that watches the occasional film. And surprisingly, they made the connection. I read a few reviews online and didn't speak too highly of the movie. So when our family watched it recently, I was uh, honestly was not expecting much. However, at the end of the movie, I really felt like a great message had been articulated. And I think that message is simply this. Love changes us. Just that. I think what we can learn from the end of Hocus Pocus 2 is that Winifred loved her sister so much that it changed her behavior to a be a protective sister who only wanted to save her sisters. And because she loved her sisters so much, she was willing to do whatever it cost to protect them, even if it cost her own life. And so she became a witch and essentially, you know, giving up her life. Now, I don't really want to spoil the movie for you, but for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to. So if you don't want to know the ending of this movie, then you might want to skip ahead a couple of minutes. At the end of this movie, Winifred realizes that she loves her sister so much that she does not want to be without them. And when she realizes that they are gone for good, she is equally willing to be gone for good so that she could be with her sisters. So essentially, she stopped being a witch. She gave it up, and love changed her. After this movie, I really thought, wow, what a great movie and a great message. And not too long after the, that, the reviews began to flow. And maybe you've seen the one of the most popular reviews that have circulated uh, Facebook and other social media platforms and has captured the national attention of the United States uh, of a very concerned parent um, who believes that watching this film could unleash, I believe it was quoted, the powers of hell into your household. Now, with all due respect, I understand uh, where she's coming from. She is coming um, she's she's uh, projecting a uh, Christian uh, stance on this, and to a degree, I think she is correct, but also to a larger degree, I think she's really missing a, a really powerful uh, message in this movie that that you know we get from the gospel of Jesus anyways, that love changes us. It transforms us into something else. Uh, it transforms us and changes us into someone that maybe we don't see for ourselves. And that's such a powerful message. And um, that's what the love of Christ does to us. And so, you know, as a Christian, I believe we have to look for these types of messages in, you know, everything uh, that, we're, that we're enjoying or, or living into. So, but here's where I kind of, you know, disagree with her. Uh, I believe that Jesus is stronger. <laughs> Maybe that's... Too simple of a statement? I don't know. But anyways, while I do believe there is evil in the world and there is a, a devil or an evil one, I don't believe that the devil is equivalent to Jesus. And Scripture can testify to this as well. You know, Scripture speaks to this a lot of times. Um, what I mean here is that the devil is not omnipresent, meaning the devil is not everywhere at all times. 
The devil is not omniscient, meaning the devil does not know all things. Nor is the devil omnipotent, meaning all-powerful. Now, you can read in Scripture a couple of different things here. You can read in the Gospels about uh, demonic spirits in which Jesus cast out. And you can also read about, listen to this, magic in the Bible. Yes, magic. Now, not Harry Potter goes to Hogwarts magic, where, you know, you turn the the cup of the, the 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 rat into a cup of rum no 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 or you float you know you make the feather float or you fly on a broomstick whatever no there's magic and magic in and of itself uh, is it has has its origins and traces to evil spirits because you're conjuring up uh, other spirits whatever that may be to do something probably for your own good or for your own selfish desire. So magic in the, in the baseline definition of it, yes, does have some evil, uh, it is, has evil, uh, characters about it. So yes, but so do, you know, uh, let's see, let's just think about all the foods that we eat, especially in America. I mean, half the crap that we eat is not good for us, <laughs> but we don't, you know, raise the red flags for it, do we? We don't worry about that, do we? No, we, we attack Hocus Pocus too because that's what we think we should do. So, right. So magic in the Bible. So what does this mean, though? Um, just because magic is in the Bible doesn't mean that you know we should pursue magic as well. But we also have to remember that Jesus is indeed stronger. Now, magic can be found in the book of Exodus in the story, um, or, or found in the book of Exodus, when Moses goes before Pharaoh, and Moses performs these signs that God told him to, and then Pharaoh uh, of Egypt, he calls upon magicians to do similar things. Uh, I'll uh, link a, uh, I'll link a link. I'll put a link in the uh, blog post uh, of this manuscript on our website, and you can go look look at it and just read for yourself. But the mag- magicians actually produce something. They actually do something. So. This tells me that even in ancient times, uh, that there was an understanding of the transcendence of uh, of another power, of another spirit, or other spirits, to call upon them to do something for your own selfish desires. Now, here in this situation, it seems that uh, Pharaoh is using magicians and magic to really to secure his power and authority uh, to continue to oppress and, and enslave. Uh, the Hebrew people. So you can see that magic at the, in the ancient world and in the base, basic definition and understanding of it has this kind of evil intent to it. But I really don't think that's a, a warrant to not watch Hocus Pocus 2 because it could unleash the powers of hell in your home. That is giving too much credit to a fictional movie or a fictional uh, story or to fiction, to say it correctly, I guess. Now, and even though Moses uh, did not believe he was adequate to perform the signs um, or to even go before Pharaoh, God worked through him and with these signs and showed that God is the creator, the redeemer, the sustainer, and ultimately the the authoritative figure in the entire universe. Now, after ten plagues, Pharaoh eventually recognizes too. You should really read the story of Exodus. It's really, really fascinating. It's better than any movie you'll ever read. I mean, many movie you'll ever see, I think. So, I really don't think we should give more credit where credit is not due. Hence, I don't think we need to give the devil an evil... Sorry, give the devil 
all of that credit and point to where we think that one word in a fictional movie is going to unleash hell in our house. That's just giving too much credit and power for him. Um, we have a moral and ethical dilemma here where it feels almost almost right to completely get rid of things that seem sacrilegious, you know, that is, you know, anti-sacred. That's what sacrilegious means. And to a point, we need to get rid of some things that are sacrilegious, but we don't have to, like, let them go in a way that seems like we're, we're doing a just cause here. It's like, oh, we're not going to watch Hocus Pocus 2 because it's sacrilegious and it could unleash, unleash the power of hell in your household. Um, okay, calm down and take a step back here. First of all, it's, it's fiction. Um, you're giving too much credit to where credit is not due, and it's a movie. <laughs> the real miracle in this whole thing is how did they take these three actresses and preserve them over the last 30 years? That's the real miracle that we need to be talking about here. <laughs> but that's just me, and I digress. Now, um, to, so to a point, yeah, we need to get rid of things. In fact, that's the call of a Christian. The call of discipleship is to let go, is to get rid of things that are, that are causing us to slow down our race of pursuing um, holiness in Christ. And we do that in community. We do that with each other in the church. That's how we do that. That's a very vague definition of that, but that's a very short definition too. Now, we cannot hold on to these things in our minds thinking that if they ever get near our house, that they could unleash hell upon us. No, we have the power of the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. And so Jesus is stronger. So if you are someone who feels that you need to not watch Hocus Pocus 2, that's completely fine. It's okay. But if you don't, and it's for the reasons that this social media post or you know them declaring that... Um, or, or this, or the, the social media post made. I, I really want to encourage you to to think about something here. Like what do you, what is your theology on Jesus? We call that Christology or Christology, kind of the the study of Christ. And like, what do we think about Christ? What do we think about Jesus Christ? And what we read in the Gospels, these bio, these ancient biographies of Jesus, is that Jesus is stronger. <laughs> But Jesus confronts these demonic spirits, and he doesn't just say, you know, oh, we didn't ignore them. He confronts them. And then Jesus tells us, the disciples, to go into the world. So we have to go into the world. So if we go into the world, we're going to face these things. But how we face these things really shows what we actually believe about Jesus and how strong he actually is. And because the devil is not equal power to, to God— we can't give the devil all of these powers that we attribute and associate with God. There, if we do, then we have created a fictional story in our own minds, thinking we've got good and evil, and that it's a, the war between good and evil. No, it's not between good and evil. This is what I've always told my churches when I pastor them. is The story is not about good versus evil. It's God, and then there's evil. God is not opposite. God is not equal. God is above. God is other. God is different. God is holy. And that's what his word attests to. So, remember <clears throat> that Jesus is stronger. Now, let me tell you about our experiences of Halloween here in England. Now, I was raised in a home that really didn't celebrate Halloween activities. And that's okay. Um, it was 
primarily for reasons um, of the social media posts, you know, that it could release, uh, or that my, you know, my, my, my fam, my parents uh, were just protecting me um, and our, and our, our siblings. And, and I love them for that because, you know, I didn't understand it at the time, but when you have children of your own, it kind of changes, <laughs> it kind of makes you think about how your parents parented you because they did everything um, out of love and, and that's all that matters. And so as I grow, grew, um, you know, and I, and I met Christina, I learned that maybe Halloween is not as scary as it has to be or evil as it has to be or whatever, because her family definitely celebrates it and loves it. And so when we got married, we kind of merged into that. And in fact, um, you know, October 25th is our wedding anniversary. So autumn and Halloween, all of these things uh, in this time period are just like, this is our month. This is our time to celebrate. So we love all of this. I mean, we went to the big old town of Pigeon Forge in Gatlinburg for our honeymoon. And, you know, one of the things I remember were all the Halloween and autumn decorations. It was fun. There was no evil spirits that I could think of or see were there. So October is always special to us. And now we have children and they like Halloween trick-or-treating too. <laughs> but the thing is, is um, it's really interesting here in England. Excuse me. Uh, it's wild actually. Um, when I say wild, I mean, it's wild to think about what we came from <laughs> in the States to how we experience uh, Halloween here in England. It's very different. And so um, if any of my friends here in the UK are listening, you know, I'd love, you know, your engagement with this too, because um, I'm learning from your culture. I'm learning within your culture, and I'm learning about how the church responds and lives within this kind of culture too. But what I've noticed is that Halloween is um, perceived as more spooky and evil, and it seems to be common with our British friends. And so it's it's really hard to tell who kind of you know, I don't know, celebrate or just, yeah, celebrates the festivities of it and who doesn't. But the Crabtree family will definitely put on a silly costume and go to a door or two and hopefully get more than a rock like Charlie Brown. We love it. It's an interesting thing here in England. Last year we went and um, it was pretty dismal, uh, to be honest. There was like a pumpkin. So what you do is a great indicator of someone who's passing out candy that evening will usually have a carved pumpkin on their you know front step or front porch or whatever. That's usually a good sign that they'll hand out candy. And so that's like one house every street, it seems. <laughs> so it was kind of a letdown, um, but that's okay. We made the best of it. We had fun. We got candy. And it was cold. It was a perfect start to the the autumn festivities, and I loved it all. So it's a little bit different here in trying to engage uh, with our British friends and the church and the culture and that kind of understanding is um, a bit a bit tricky. And so we want to be respectful, but we also want to you know show the other side of Halloween where it's fun and it doesn't have to be spooky. It doesn't have to be evil. It doesn't have to be about um, spirits taking over your household. We don't. We don't celebrate that. And I don't. In fact, I don't know anybody who does. And if and if they do, I'd still be their friend because Jesus 
told me to love them, and I will love them, and, and hopefully one day they'll see the love of Christ too, and they'll change from those ways. But until then, I mean, I'm still gonna I'll still be their friend. I'm, I'm not gonna partake in it. I'm not gonna expect my family or ask my family to partake in that thing. But anyways, I digress again. So that's Halloween in England. And finally, today I want to talk to you about the what I understand as the origins of Halloween. Now, a lot of this has come from uh, conversation, some research, but most of it's conversation from uh, my mentor, Dr. Bob Stamps. And he tells it a great way because he loves to connect it with something else. He, he loves to connect um, Halloween, uh, its origins as a pagan celebration, uh, and the church's res- response to it. And, and this is the way he does it. So you can find a lot of this online, and there are different interpretations. There are different understandings of where Halloween came from. So here's just kind of one perspective, kind of where or how it kind of started. But it started in the ancient um, Anglo-Saxon kind of world uh, in, in, in what modernly day known as England. And it was a pagan celebration. It was a fall, uh, autumn kind of harvest celebration. And... Um, but also a part of it was a festival day of the dead on October 31st, oh, 31st, sorry, in which they believed the dead would come to life and steal or kill the lives of children. So during the night, children would be locked away and the men of the villages would go make big fun bonfires and dress up and try to scare away the dead so as to not let them steal their children. But shouldn't they be at home protecting their children? No, they were making bonfires and probably, um, let's see, drinking some of the the harvest nectar of the day, if you know what I mean. (laughs) That was probably their excuse to go do that. Now, the wives or whoever was at home, they were to uh, not answer the door all night long if someone knocked on it. It sounds really familiar, doesn't it? So here's what the church decided to do. The church decided that it was going to stamp out this pagan festival in a holiday by celebrating their own dead and those who have gone on and died and who did not have a day dedicated to them, like the other saints in the church. And they were going to celebrate this day on November 1st so that the evening that they would spend preparing before would be a celebration, before the celebration would be a truly holy evening, meaning preparing for it. And if you break down the word Halloween, hallowed, Evening, that's exactly what it means, holy evening. So, hallow means holy, and then the, the uh, second part, evening, eing, is short for evening. Now, it's a holy day when you think about it, the day that you're going to, you know, go celebrate and remember those who have died in the previous year and to remember, remember their life and that there is hope in, uh, in Christ and that you'll be with them one day. There, there's truly holy when you think about that. When you maybe you spend the night before thinking about those and remembering their lives, it's a holy evening. So yes, Halloween is a holy evening. The word itself is a holy evening, and it's a time that now the church in the 21st century could spend it together as a family, having fun, whatever that means for you. Whether it means you put on a silly costume or whatever, and you go trick or treating, or go to a Halloween party. Or you have a fall festival, or you know you, or you just you know spend time thanking God for the the harvest, the 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 autumn harvest for whatever that may be. Maybe you have a garden, a vegetable garden, and you thank God for what He's provided in this past year. Either way, it could be a holy evening. It could be a time of celebration. So maybe this Halloween, you think about your loved ones, and maybe those who may have died in the last year or a few years. 
and maybe spend the time doing that with all your celebrations too and really make it a truly holy evening in which you proclaim the hope that we have in Christ. Um, so do that. Now, in most churches, All Saints on the following Sunday um, is a really big Sunday. And uh, this year, I encourage you and your family or friends to go to a church that will celebrate All Saints Sunday. Now, All Saints Day is November 1st, but then the church usually celebrates it the Sunday following, unless it falls on a Sunday. Now, usually what happens is that the church will celebrate the Lord's Supper, uh, because the Lord's Supper is truly a thin place in which we join the heavenly host proclaiming God's glory, uh, our loved ones in heaven, and we on uh, an us on earth. And at the table of Jesus, who is stronger, who is at the center of it all, and this mysterious presence of Christ transcends all that is happening in that moment with simple bread and wine, uh, we celebrate the hope that we have in Christ with our loved ones who have died and gone on before us. And that's a holy day in my book. And so October 31st, Halloween, a holy evening, can be spent with our family in time of making memories and choosing to remember that Jesus is stronger and that hell will not be unleashed if we watch a movie. I don't believe it will be. Somebody else maybe. And maybe you do. Maybe you disagree with me. But and again, that's, that's fine. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we my wife and I, Christina and I, as parents, we are the ones that help our children think about how to critically engage with the world around them. Now, we protect them as best we can with the things we can, but we also give them the resources and uh, and train them up in a way of knowing that Jesus is stronger and that Jesus is always with us and that that evil will not have a grip on us because of what Jesus has done for us. And so we're going to watch Hocus. We're going to watch Hocus Pocus too again in other Halloween movies <laughs> because it's fun and we spend our time with one another. So I'm going to stop right there for today, and I want to say thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you did enjoy today's content. Now I could definitely go into more conversation about any one of these topics, but I think I've left you with enough to think about. Hopefully, and I hope that uh, you're able to use it to share amongst the table for a change amongst the world. And if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, be sure to do so so that you don't miss the next episode. So thanks again. Wow. Cheers. Well, thanks for listening in to the Amongst the Table podcast. We hope today's content has been helpful and hopeful for you, and we hope that you'll use it to share Amongst the Table for change amongst the world. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. All of our content on our website is available for free, and it's brought to you by the listener and supporter. I met it on to Bristol from London, St. James. Got a ticket for a train ride, gonna ride it all the way. I think I hear those seagulls calling all my name. That western skies are singing, nothing like the same. Though I'm not from around here, it always feels like home. Bristol might be short-lived, but she sure is home.